Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now the following is a fourth-hand production Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Dude, I'm definitely ready. How about you? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. This is going to be one crazy subject. Yeah, man, I was one, I was like, eh, it's probably going to be kind of, it's a little wacky. It's going to be not cut and dry, but eh. But then I get into it, and I get into it, and I get into it. And I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> it's a strange one, man. We go all over the place and in time, too. Did you read about... Did you catch all that? I saw a little bit about that. The <laughs> the space travel. Space travel, time travel. Time travel. Dude. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into it. Yeah. But first of all, what's in your can, my man? Well, I don't have a can today, sir. I got a oh. bottle because I'm fancy. <laughs> and I have... I forget when I had it last... But I've already had it. It's Flying Dog. But I went with The Truth Imperial IPA because I felt for this episode, what else are we doing but spitting truth? We're dropping truth bombs all over the people. I hope so. That's a big load of truth we're giving you guys. (laughs) Right there. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have tonight, my man? I have Magic Hat, the... uh... Dropkick Murphy's branded Barroom Hero. It's a pub ale. It's hmm. tasty. You know the band Dropkick Murphy's, right? Yeah. They got together with Magic Hat and did a beer. How about that? Mm-hmm. You want to do some shout-outs? Because it's March now. We should shout-out our Patreons, right? Oh, yeah. We've got Dakota and Wanda. Yeah. And uh, what? True Crime, True Crime by, by the, the book. book. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. Dude, my mic just moved by itself. It's because we said true crime by the book. I don't know. That was weird. It moved side to side. <laughs> not like the not like the clamps loosened up. It like went side to side like this. All right, we got to cancel. I got to go. <laughs> Do you want to blame true crime by the book? Look them up. Ask them if they possessed your mic. Did you do it? True crime. Th- hmm. It freaked me out. Don't, please don't do it again. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, their promo is in Friday's episode. Tomorrow for us, three days ago for everybody else. Yep, that's how math works. <laughs> um, I yeah. Did, <laughs> I math. had to think about it for a minute. Like, uh, <laughs> seven. Monday six, minus five, three. <laughs> so you, 
earlier we were texting, and you were saying something that you uh, discovered something about the the old Kung flu. The old could be uh might be looking at a forona virus. Yeah, well, I don't know if I. So I I didn't really discover it. it it's more of a a theory I have. All right. So where where do I even begin? So I think it's. Remember, I told you it's a nocebo. Mm-hmm. Well, a guy at work who's not into conspiracies at all. When we were talking about it, he was like, "Dude, it's a psyop." What? And I was okay. like, "Ooh, yeah, that's a good word for it." I think it is the flu, just plain old flu. Yeah, and I think the reason so many people in China are dying from this "quote unquote" coronavirus, this COVID, what is it, COVID nineteen? Yeah. Covid, <laughs> because their pollution has gotten so bad, the air quality is so bad that everyone over there is weak. But China does not want to admit that their pollution is a problem. And we've had what three deaths here? Eight? What is that? Where we're at? Uh, it, it's real low. Three, six, eight, something like that. So how easy would it be to just be like those people to die from the flu and just be like, nope, that's Corona. And then what they do is they quarantine everyone. And then the NWO can insert their plans right there when everybody on the planet is quarantined. (laughs) They can come take our guns. They can do it whatever they want at that point. They can make this a mandatory vaccine now. Damn, dude. I don't want to. I don't want a mandatory vaccine. Well, I mean, I guess yeah. When when you're babies, yeah, yeah, we have some, right? Are they all yeah. mandatory? Yeah. Otherwise, you can't go to public school. You know there's three kids in our... No, not in our school district. In our county, three kids have the mumps. What? Yeah. Were they never vaccinated for that? I'm not sure. I don't know what the full story is on that, but... Yeah. So how about that? So That's one of the vaccines to get. Exactly. Measles, so, mumps... Uh, polio. Polio. Yeah, I, uh, I guess. Smallpox? <laughs> Isn't there a TB in there somewhere? Probably. I think there is a TB vaccine. Ah, it's all nano-tracking devices. Come on, you know that. I mean, you really, you don't know what it is. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> I, I'm not a, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, uh, but I'm not no. 100% on board with vax. I, I'm not... I'm a little leery on things that they make mandatory that they inject into my body. Yeah, and I'm not one to every just go out and get a flu shot just on a whim. I've never had a flu shot. I I <laughs> I had it one time because at work we were doing the the wellness plan and we had to get a couple things done so we have lower insurance rates. Mm. Fine. And one of them, an easy one to do, was the flu shot. And so I, I did it one time. That was like five, six plus years ago. Oh, okay. Did you get sick from it? No. You, did you so. feel fine afterwards? You, you didn't feel like worn down or anything? Like you didn't have any flu-like symptoms, just minor? I don't think so. Well, I mean, not everybody does, but some people who get it, they... It you know, some people who get the flu shot, they feel like shit afterwards. I don't know. I mean, maybe just some things affect people differently. But I don't, I'm not 100% on board with this 
Corona. What I mean, they're hyping it up to be the bubonic plague. I know it's already infected more people than the Spanish flu, or I don't know, it's on par with it, or something. More people have already died from the flu than this every year. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I I I believe it's getting blown out of proportion. Whatever is going on, it's getting blown out of proportion. Whether it's fake or not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I I'm kind of on board. Actually, I'm gonna say I'm 99.9% on board. The fact that this is some sort of hoax or they're playing it up way too big, something like that. But I gotta be honest with you, I'm not gonna buy plane tickets for my family to go to China tomorrow uh, um, or the next day. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm very sure it's fake. Uh, I I say fake. You you guys kind of know what I mean. Like what basically what a lot of people are saying. Not I mean, not like scientists or anything like that. But yeah. But I'm still not gonna take that risk and take my family to China just in case you know, on the small chance it is real. And but it's mainly elderly people, right? Dying from it. Uh, guess who dies from the flu? Mainly elderly people. Yes, exactly. It's people with uh, a lesser immune system, a compromised immune system. Yeah. Underlying health issues. Yes. Uh, who has those? Elderly people. The yes, same as the, the flu most part. people. And young kids, right? I don't know if any young kids in the U.S. have, have died. No, I don't think. Has have there been any young kids? I don't know. I just saw that a dog was infected. What? Yeah. How, how did that happen? I don't know, man. I think that's, again, I think that's, that, I, that was on like, uh, CNN or something like that, MSNBC, something, one of those websites. I, I don't remember which it was, but to me, it's more like, kind of like, oh, even we're gonna quarantine your dogs too. Everything is gonna be. You gotta be in your house, <laughs> and then they come door to door, come in and do whatever they want because you're sick. Yeah, and take your guns. They can say, oh, this vaccine's gonna help you. This uh, injection. Is gonna make you feel better. They give it to you, boom, you die. I don't, I don't know what their plan is, but <laughs> it se- it seems really fishy to me. It seems to me like the reason so many people are dying in China is maybe they had some kind of crazy pollution episode that they never told anybody about. A lot of people are dying, but they're really just having a flu complications. Also, there's a five G aspect. Oh. The fact that they... Is that, j- they, is that already in China? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's launched. Huh. Yeah, so... I I don't know, man. I just... I can't imagine this just pops up out of nowhere. It seems super weird for it to just come, come out of nowhere like this. Yeah. But, I mean, it is called COVID-19, so it happened in 19, which has been a couple of months. But seriously, did it really infect that many people and just... A couple of months, not even I, a handful. I heard it originally came about in like November, so I don't know. It to me, it seems really, really fishy. And I know there's a, a lot of people who listen to this. Well, I mean, we don't. Yeah, we don't have a lot of people that listen to this, but a lot of people who listen to podcasts like us, <laughs> they probably feel the same way. They don't think it. Maybe not everybody thinks it's fake. But there's a lot of people who are very suspicious about it. It just seems, I don't don't know. I'm not buying all the way into it myself. No, I don't think you should. 
You know what I heard is the best way to make sure you don't get it is to drink bleach. Um. <laughs> no, please, people, don't do that. <laughs> that was just a joke. But apparently that was a thing going around. With Are you uh, I don't think it was this. It was something. It was some sort of thing that was going around. Maybe it was H1N1. Okay. But all the uh, the home remedy people were saying, yeah, just drink. Uh, ba- uh, I don't think it was actual bleach, but it was essentially the main ingredient in bleach. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, don't know. do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hot toddies all night. I hate hot toddies. Come on, dude. I hate them. If you got the Corona, you need to have a hot toddy. Well, I'll drink about 10 of them, forget I have Corona, and just pass out. Exactly. Exactly. You need to let your body heal itself for the next three days while you're recovering. Three days? If you like. Did you... (laughs) I I know we got to get into subject, but did you see that video (laughs) of the guy who was out of quarantine on some news station, and he's talking, and he... As he's talking about, yeah, I'm out of quarantine. The doctor says I'm good. He keeps going. <coughs> he yep, keeps good. Good to go. He keeps coughing. <laughs> That's not even the worst part about it. His little daughter is sitting on his lap. And she's drinking the water and he keeps coughing. He grabs the water. He said, here, give me a drink of this. He takes a drink of it, gives it back to her, and then she drinks it. Dude. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I, yes, they're your own flesh and blood, but, I mean, if you just got out of quarantine, why don't you give it a minute? <laughs> it, yeah. Like, he's like, oh, the doctor said I'm good, and blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Here, give me a sip of this. Uh, <laughs> it, it, but his cough sounded like, you know, like when you call in sick to work, and you're like, <coughs> oh, I'm sick. I can't come in. <laughs> Oh, yeah, one of those. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. It sounded like he was acting. Because <laughs> it's all fake, dude. It's all rouge. A rouge? And then, a rouge? Yeah, r- rouge. You a just rouge? Paint it on, you just paint it on your face a little bit. It's fine. Uh-huh. So the whole drink in the water thing was an act, too, then. To get people to talk about it. Anyway, we're 45 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. But shall we get into this? Yeah, we shall. All right. See, I was thinking we would start with the official lifetime of the USS Eldridge. Mm. And then it's it's not going to take long. It had it has some life. And okay. then it retired. And then it was done. So we'll get into, I'll just run through the whole official lifetime of it and then and then we'll get into the weird stuff. Well, should we tell the folks what we're talking about first? Oh, all right. We didn't even say it. No. The Philadelphia Experiment? Yes, sir. You guys may have heard of that. <laughs> so the Philadelphia Experiment. That's right. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll just get into the life of the ship. It was the USS Eldridge, the DE-173. DE stands for Destroyer Escort. Because oh. these things... What? I didn't know it stood for Destroyer Escort. I thought DE was like Destroyer. Oh. Now it makes sense. Yeah, so it was a a cannon class destroyer escort. So I think it was either might be mixing this up. Either these ones could maneuver a little bit better, but they were a little bit slower, or it was the 
other ships that they were the escorts for that could maneuver a little bit better. But I think it was this one. I think the destroyer classes could, or the destroyer escorts could maneuver a little bit better, and they had more, more firepower. Yeah, I would think an escort would be able to move a little better to get uh, to dodge the U-boats and whatnot. Yeah, and and go after an enemy if they have to like turn quickly or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It was a ship of the United States Navy named for Lieutenant Commander John Eldridge Jr., a hero of the invasion of the Solomon Islands. My man. But that was on the other side of the world, the Solomon Islands. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Eldridge. Is Lieutenant that where? Commander, what is that where Somalian pirates come from? The Solomon Islands. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I always just assumed. I never watched that Tom Hanks movie. Oh. The I am the captain now. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I always just assumed the uh, those pirates were in the Atlantic Ocean. I don't know. I don't know. Caribbean, Pirates of Caribbean, Caribbean, you know all that. Caribbean, Caribbean. You said Caribbean and Caribbean in the same sentence. Well, it's the the location is the Caribbean, but it's the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I'm sorry I interrupted. Look, I don't, I don't segregate, dude. I'll pick both sides. <laughs> you say tomato sauce and tomato paste. That's right. In the same sentence. <clears throat> ramen noodles, ramen noodles. No, people don't say ramen noodles, do they? Yeah, man. Oh. I say, it, I say it a lot, actually. Ramen? <laughs> yep, ramen noodles. Oh, dude, hundred percent ramen. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Just how I, I've always said it. Lieutenant Commander Eldridge was killed in action in the Solomon Islands on November 2nd, 1942. For his extraordinary heroism and leading the air attack on Japanese positions in the initial invasion of the Solomons on August 7th and 8th, 42, he was posthumously, humorously, posthumously <laughs> awarded the Navy Cross. I'm having a tough time with that word. I have a tough time with most words. <laughs> Eldridge, the ship itself was laid down February 22nd, 1943. That means they put up the, like, the midsection, the the skeleton that they're going to build around. Uh, that was a federal shipbuilding and dry dock company in Newark, New Jersey. Not Newark. Nope. Newark is Newark. in Delaware. I think there's another one, too. Eldridge was launched, so it was started... Being built February 22nd. It was launched into the water July 25th, 1943. So just six months later. Yeah, wow. Isn't that pretty awesome? That massive, massive thing. It just done six months. So in it, the 40s. It got launched in 43? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a problem? I mean, just a little weird because of when the experiment took place. Yes. So this is, this is the official... This is what it, it's on the record books. Everything else that we're going to talk about after this is retired, not so much. In the my great grandfather, no, my grandfather was on that ship and he yep. had a railing through him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he wasn't. I was just making a. <laughs> you had me going there. I was making a, a funny. Uh, so it was launched. And was sponsored by Lieutenant Commander Eldridge's widow, Mrs. John Eldridge. We don't get her first name. Sorry. John. And was commissioned, so it was... What? John. Her, her, 
Is that Mrs. She, John Eldridge? She she is also John. <laughs> John and John Eldridge Jr. They're both Jr. <laughs> that would be so weird. A uh, friend of ours, her mom and dad, both named Tracy. No. Yeah, dude. You literally can't marry that person. I don't care how in love you are. <laughs> Look, it wasn't my decision. <laughs> what was her name? It wasn't Tracy, was it? Yes, his name and her name are No, are I meant the Tracy. I meant the kid. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like George Foreman. <laughs> Just naming all Georgia. his kids George. <laughs> uh so the Eldridge was commissioned, so it means it went into service and had to float around for a while before they actually got brought it into service. August twenty seventh, nineteen forty three. Why do they do that to make sure it's seaworthy? I guess. So it, it'll float around, you know, get all the crew on, get all their sheets tucked in and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It takes them a month to do all that stuff. I assume that's what they're doing in Loaded that month period. Loaded up with supplies and all that. Yeah. And this is where we veer a little bit into official territory and not so much the the craziness that's to come. Okay. Because there's a craziness that's coming. <laughs> so between January 4th, 44, and May 9th, 45... Eldridge sailed on the vital task of escorting to the Mediterranean Sea men and materials to support Allied operations in North Africa and on the southern, on into southern Europe. She made nine voyages to deliver convoys safely to Casablanca, Bizert, and Oran. That was in that was for a year and a half, January forty-four to May forty-five. Wait a second. Okay. Okay. This, this is the official stuff. Okay. <laughs> So there's other stuff that happened in there. Probably. Maybe. Eldridge departed New York City on May 28th, 1945, so not even a month later, for service in the Pacific, and route to Saipan in July. She made contact with an underwater object and immediately attacked, but no results were observed. She arrived in Okinawa on August 7th for local escort and patrol, and with the end of hostilities a week later, continued to serve as escort on the Saipan uh, Ulithi Okinawa routes. Ulithi? U-L-I-T-H-I. However you want to pronounce that. Until November of 45. Eldridge was placed out of commission in reserve June 17th, 1946. So in like a semi-retired state. But then, January 15th, 1951. So... Five years later, she was transferred under the Mutual Defense Assistance Act to Greece, where she served as Leon D-54. Leon was decommissioned on November 5, 1992, and on November 11, 1999, was sold a scrap to the Piraeus. Sold a scrap to the Piraeus-based firm V&J Scrap Metal Trading Limited. So, had a nice life, did some work. Retired peacefully to, to Greece, and she had a nice burial in the scrapyard in Greece. What year was it decommed or decommissioned or buried, whatever? Uh, it was sold to Greece January 15th, 1951. Decommissioned mm. fully November 5th, 92. Oh. So it was in service for 40 more years in the Greece Navy. Hmm. Hellenic? I think it's a Hellenic Navy. Yeah, that sounds right. Hellenic? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
But you and I both know <clears throat> something else happened in those early in those early days. This theory began with a letter from a guy named. You want me to get into it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it began with a letter from uh, this guy named Carlos Allende, or Allende, <laughs> to a guy named Morris K. Jessup, and that letter was on January thirteenth, nineteen fifty-six. So that's when Carlos started to talk about everything that happened. Yeah, and Carlos, well, I'll say a little bit later. But uh, at the time, Jessup, he was just an auto parts salesman in Washington, D.C. He was writing books about UFO sightings and stuff like that, right? Yeah, he previously, he he, uh, he did a uh, graduate work in astronomy at the University of Michigan. And then he wrote, he also wrote a book... Well, his most famous book was called The Case for the UFO. But his daytime job was turning wrenches. Well, he was a parts salesman. He uh, wasn't doing he wasn't turning any wrenches, buddy. He was high class. <laughs> he was upper management. He was selling the stuff. I'm writing books and I'm selling the equipment. <laughs> yeah. But uh in, in the letter, uh Allende or Allende I saw A L L E N D E. As far as I understand, two L's together makes the sound of an English Y. Oh, okay. So it's Allende. Probably. We're going to go with it. In this letter, Allende scolded Jessup uh, for suggesting continued research into the unified field theory. Oh, that thing. Yeah, so for people who don't know what the unified field theory is, look it up because we're too dumb to tell you about (laughs) it. Uh, But it was coined by Albert Einstein. So this is what I got off the internet, this description. All right. Unified field theory was coined by Albert Einstein, which describes any attempt to unify the fundamental forces of physics between elementary, elementary particles into a single theoretical framework. He was unsuccessful in proving this. Because mm-hmm. he, he didn't use Tesla stuff. That's why he failed. Yeah. But the U.S. Navy, they did. But uh, yes. So Allende, he claimed that in 1943, literally the same year this ship became seaworthy, the uh, U.S. Navy used this theory that not only rendered the USS Eldridge invisible, but it also caused it to teleport. So that's <laughs> yeah. It seems bonkers. Yeah. So I guess they had. <coughs> excuse me. They had. So reports vary. There was either two or four Tesla coils on the ship. Really? Yeah. So they wanted to make electromagnetic generators. And yeah. I guess what it would do was, would, uh, I guess, prevent. So I guess what they were literally trying to do is prevent, make it invisible to radar. Right. So the electromagnetic generators somehow would do that i don't really understand how i guess it would it would bend light around so it would bend i guess the radar around it i'm not really sure but wouldn't that be that seems kind of i i don't know looking at it in my perspective my point of view the appearance of nothing is also something (laughs) know what i mean like it just shows up as an empty spot doesn't it not blip at all on the radar? It just completely looks over it. Well, no, it wouldn't show up as an empty spot. 
because the light the light's going to curve around it so you're going to literally see what's behind that because oh, okay. the light is curving around it you, you know what i mean yeah okay doesn't it take a bit of gravity to make light bend like that not mm. just electricity i don't know <laughs> i'm i'm not uh, really sure did, about that did you get into all the uh the degaussing stuff yeah i did, i i saw that i guess that was wasn't that the official word yes Yes, because people saw all these uh, wires and electronics and stuff from from the outside of the ship, and they're like, that's kind of crazy. What's going on over there, fellas? Mm -hmm. But the official word is they set it up to uh, for degaussing. It was named after uh, German scientist Gauss, and that's the level, that's the unit of measurement for magnetism, Mm -hmm. a Gauss. So to degauss something, that means to reduce the level of magnetic attraction. Yeah, because I guess apparently, well, I guess it would be, what, the Nazis, right, this time? Yeah, yeah, they set up those magnetic mines. Yeah, so they would they would attach to a ship and then explode. So, I mean, that's pretty genius if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, Degau- I was going to say that too. That's de- freaking awesome. Well, both. Yeah, to be honest with both you. sides. <laughs> yeah, so like make a mine that just you get anywhere near it, it's like whoop, attaches and yeah. <laughs> but then on our side, they're like, you know what? Let's just make this metal non-magnetic. Yeah, Seems incredible, feasible. But I think I think later on, sometime in those years, the Nazis upped it a little bit and they made the. Flying the magnets saucers. on the mines a little more sensitive. Flying saucers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're not. <laughs> they made the flying saucers a little more sensitive. So they re-gauzed the ships. <laughs> they didn't fix the mines that were out there. They didn't put more, new mines in with more sensitive material. They just made UFOs to gauss up the ships. Yeah. Does that they sound just right? them up. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Suck them up. Yeah. <laughs> it just... Oh, they they would shoot like a beam down to regauze them. Yeah, yeah that's what them, I'm saying. <laughs> make them super magnetic. Then they right. suck up three mines instead <laughs> of just one. Right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, this, the uh, the Eldridge allegedly transported from Philadelphia to Norfolk, Virginia, and then back again within minutes. I swear, I thought I heard or read something someplace that it said. When they flipped all the switches and that happened, it actually went back in time for ten minutes. So it went, it went, it went to Norfolk, and it was back in time ten minutes when it got there. Oh, I didn't see that. I swear somebody said that someplace, but then I couldn't find it after that. That stuck with me. I'm like, you guys were pretty on top of your damn stopwatches. Well, maybe onlookers. Maybe they had a different time than the people on the ship. Maybe that's how they know. One thing that kind of kind of messes me up about this whole thing, the the teleportation. Just one thing. It went huh? from <laughs> <laughs> It went from one dockyard to another dockyard. Yeah. Yeah, it that's a little it weird. Seemed, seemed pretty precise. Unless they already had that as a plan. Now, if it teleported from, like, Philly 
to the to like right in the middle of downtown LA and then back. Like it just yeah. like appeared on the street. Like, right. Okay, I'm a little more on board with that. Right. But it goes from dockyard to dockyard. Yeah. That's that's one that's one of my hangups. If it suddenly went from dockyard in Philly to like Michigan, you know, out of nowhere, just plopped down in the middle of the lake and then it went back. Yeah. I guess I would be a little bit more on board. Yeah. But dockyard to dockyard? That's a little precise, fellas. Yeah. And you're telling me they don't have any shortcuts? <laughs> yeah. So, so this, this whole thing was a plan. They knew what they were doing. They had a destination of mine. Well, Allende, the you know, the guy who wrote this letter, he, he says he was on the SS Andrew Foraseth. I guess it's Foraseth. It's F-U-R-U-S-E-T-H. Yeah. When this occurred. So he was actually in Norfolk, and he saw this thing boop, pop up, zoom, it was gone. <laughs> I just assumed it would make that noise. Boop, zoom. That sounds right. I think that's how teleportation and then return portation works. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah when, I'm pretty sure. When was that? When did that happen? It was in 1943. Right. October? October 28th is what I got. Uh... But then there was another one, too, that said... Oh, I believe so. I, th- I thought there was another one that said it was April. I think I saw October. I, for some reason, I didn't write down... Right. Like, how old am I? I? For some reason, I didn't type October. What century is this? I'm a typewriter? I'm, I'm writing. I got, like, a feather <laughs> <Ching>. quill. <laughs> like, dip it in my, my inkwell. <laughs> there hath been a disturbance upon the force. <laughs> uh, Jessup, he asked... He, you know, he asked Allende, he said, what evidence do you have to support this claim? Uh, but when he heard back from Allende, his name was now changed to Carl Allen. So he anglicized his name. So from Carlos Allende, which is A-L-L-E-N-D-E. So now he is Carl Allen, A-L-L-E-N. <laughs> right. He didn't want to make the... A.K.A. a little too tough. For yeah. He said, oh, no, I am 100% American. Carl and, Allen. And Carl Allen. <laughs> uh, he basically didn't remember anything. He could. He, he didn't know dates. He didn't know names of crew members. Jeez, they may, may as well call him Chuckles Allen then. Yeah. So Jessup was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. And he just dropped it. He was like, <laughs> this guy's just, you know, he's messing with me. But then a year later... Jessup was invited to the office of nasal, nasal, the office of naval research. He was handed a copy of his book, the uh, what, what was it, the hunt for or the case for the UFO. Yeah, uh, it had been mailed to them, the office of naval research, anonymously, and he was told to study those contents because there were some markings in that book. Yeah, I, some I, addendums. Yeah, some like little annotations, but it looked like, from what I remember, I, I don't, I don't have many notes on this. Actually, I don't have any notes on this. But At all, none. But I, I guess it was different inks. It, it almost looked like a conversation. Yeah, a conversation between three people. Yeah, and some people theorize it was alien in nature. So Carlos was having a conversation with. Two different aliens? Well, it was mailed to them anonymously. 
Only aliens write in green ink. They don't know Carlos, a.k.a. Carl, was involved. So they see this stuff, and it, it basically it, it's saying some weird things, like uh, something like the humans, they transported a ship, and so, like really strange stuff. I mean, you guys could probably look it up for whatever reason. I didn't. But uh, I think you can buy this this copy. That that copy with his scrolling addendums in it? Yeah, I believe it's called the Vero or the Varo copy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they remade it. They they published it and recopy made copies of it and I believe you can buy this book. That's what I had heard anyway. The the Navy, they obviously deny this. Right. That didn't happen. Yeah. No way. Look at these ship logs. Uh, they show the USS Eldridge was nowhere near Philly when this test allegedly happened. But, let's not forget, we've been lied to before by them. And also logs, they can be forged, right? Yes. Uh, all they had to do, they literally, they light one log on fire, boom, it's gone. Back in this Done. time? Yeah, yeah. It's all hard copies. There's no backups. I mean, maybe there was for the military, I don't know. But we didn't know about it. No. It's either officially what it is, or it's not. Yeah. Now, during that voyage that they had in the old teleportation, some shit went down, man. Should we tell them about that after a break? We should probably have a break. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that, too. Then we'll get into some... It's gonna get wacky, dude. Yeah. It's gonna get weird. Yeah, this... We told you guys all the... The... I don't know. Yep. The official and then the slightly more official? Official? I don't know. Very loose. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun, regardless. Wasn't so fun for the fellas on there, but it's break time. Here we go. Round two. All right. So we've left Philadelphia, went to Norfolk, Virginia. Made it from one dockyard to another. But, but, when we got back, when those fellas got back from their little trip, things were not good. No. No. Not according to these stories. Was anybody okay? Um, yes, yes. There was a handful of people that were okay on the ship. And then crazy stuff happened afterwards. Okay. Did you get the story... The freeze? That stuff? No. I'm talking about the disappearance of those guys in the bar fight. Oh, yeah. That's part of the freeze. Oh, okay. So, I mean, they were... They weren't... We'll get... I don't I don't want to say it. I don't want to give it away. But they weren't, okay. like, you know, stuck. They were, they were able to get off, but they had some side effects. Uh, yeah. Like Big Pharma. <laughs> A little bit. Side effects <laughs> that... Maybe they weren't aside. They were purposeful effects. Ooh, maybe. (laughs) But when they got back, oh, um, I guess one thing to note is Oscar Schneider, Phil Schneider's dad, was a medical examiner for the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, you guys heard that right. Phil Schneider from Dulce got his fingers blasted off. Cut up on his belly. Gutted like a fish. As he said. Oscar I uh, Oscar Isaac, <laughs> <laughs> not Poe Dameron. 
Asger Schneider was the medical officer for the Philadelphia Experiment and kept that secret with him until he was close to death. Before he died, Oscar told Phil the truth, the true story of his past and gave him photographs to back up his claims. We don't have those photographs. Isn't that crazy to think, like, what if, like, like I go, my dad, he's on his deathbed, and he's like, I saw some shit, man. I gotta tell you. Like, what? Why do you, we could have been talking about this dude. <laughs> right. Like, I love this stuff. He's like, yeah, I wrestled a Bigfoot one day. I kicked his ass. I buried him in the backyard. <laughs> we lived in Maryland, dude. What backyard? That's crazy what you get on. I mean, you hear so much of this, this these deathbed confessionals. But I wonder at, uh, let's say all this did happen. Oscar was telling Phil that all this stuff, showed him all these pictures. I wonder if Phil was like, this, this is the words of a... Of a man on his deathbed. Uh, you know, did he take all of it to heart in one shot? Like, oh my god, this is all real, this has definitely happened, and I can't believe well, this is a thing. Maybe it depends on what he's dying from. If he's dying from, like, a, like I don't know, liver disease, his brain's probably still intact. If he's yeah. dying from, like, dementia, maybe don't take it to heart. A little, little grain of salt? Yeah. Maybe look into it a little bit, because he might be a little bit... Oh, Phil got into it. Don't cut into it. <laughs> anyway, where are we at? So we were, uh, oh yeah, the the guys on the ship, they got back and um, some of those fellows were not in a good place physically. <clears throat> well, real quick before we mention that, uh, <clears throat> I, we should say, like when they turned these coils on, I guess this field was supposed to just go right around the ship. They contained it somehow, like to be inside... The perimeter of the ship? It was kind of like, uh, no, it was supposed, supposed to, be. to be around the ship, kind of like a bubble. Okay. But when they turned it on, they were like, oh, shit, this is really powerful. Then it started, it extend, extended 100 yards out from the ship in all directions. It created this, like, giant bubble around the ship. Like, they didn't, like, they didn't do any tests on it or something, I guess. And then that's when, I guess, onlookers said the ship, it became to came it was like a little fuzzy well if it was if it was heating up like it like heat waves on something like even just the sun beating down on top of your metal grill or if your grill is on it gets a little heated up you get all those little heat waves on top of it now if this was happening on the entire perimeter of the whole ship that w- that would make for an interesting effect would electromagnetism cause that a heating up i mean it's all because that would be really uncomfortable for the crew members right yeah, a little bit. Maybe that's why they uh, why things happen the way they did. Got too hot. Yeah. So the, the I guess the ship it, it started to get fuzzy, and then you saw that there was this greenish haze it formed around the Eldridge, and then eventually all you could see was the outline of the hull in the water. So you just saw this like divot in the water. So not only was it invisible to radar, it was invisible to the naked eye. Yep. And then blip, it was gone. That divot was gone. They're That's like, when it teleported. <laughs> they did it! Huzzah! Yeah. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> but no, it was it was gone. <laughs> when they got back, that was bad times. Yeah. Are you gonna say it or am I? No, go for it, dude. <laughs> Tell the people they want to know. <laughs> Some of those fellas were fused into the walls and the halls of the Eldridge. 
Well, the reason, part of the reason that happened was uh, allegedly, uh, just assume everything is alleged in this. No. Well, okay, take it as truth. <laughs> but during this experiment, like while all that shit was going on, the crew members, they were a crew members. I don't know. The crew members were able to walk through solid objects. They walk through walls, put their hands through shit. So, well, how long did that last? Like, they went to Norfolk. Uh, some some things say those guys went went there, came back. One thing I think I heard or saw was they went ten minutes in the past. Then, here in a minute, we'll get into some other wild shit that happened while the ship was gone for a couple minutes, a couple seconds. Well, I took it as basically as soon as the, I don't know, I didn't see this, but once it started becoming fuzzy, like once all that shit started happening, then the guys were able to just like do whatever they wanted. You know what I mean? They could walk through walls and through that whole process once all that shit was flipped on and then everything like the, you know, the bubble started to expand Mm-hmm. Then they found themselves able to, like, whoa, what? My hand's going through this wall? What? Yeah, so they were holding on to stuff. Like, okay, whatever, whatever's going to happen, they're going to flip that switch. Whatever's going to happen, I'm going to hold on. Zzz, crazy, craziness is happening, and then all of a sudden, whoop, right yeah. through. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So here's where this falls apart for me. <laughs> this part. <laughs> How the fuck were they walking on the deck? Yes. Yes. That's where all <laughs> this all falls apart for me. All of these stories of like I could walk through walls. Why don't you fall through the earth? Why don't you fall through the floor? Like, yeah. How come the atoms, the molecules or whatever, just they're only vibrating right there? Like, where does it stop? Yeah, and then like, okay, so your whole body can go through, but your feet can't because those don't work that way. Like. It doesn't make sense. No. What kind of ghost is going on here? It's yeah, not- I, well, I can walk on the floor, but I'll just walk through the wall. <laughs> what? Think about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Something's not right there. Yeah. My God. <laughs> but despite that, they came back and some dudes were half of their body is was in one room and the other half of their body was in another. What a horrible... God, can you imagine? Oh, my God. And there was no way... To save them. Like, if they tried to extract them, like, pull them out, then eh, everything falls apart. Yeah, I mean, not to be too morbid, but, like, you ever see those, like, there's train crashes or a car crash where oh, somebody gets man. pinned and they just have to call the loved one? They're like, look, as soon as we move this thing, they're done for. It, it was kind of, it's sort it's of a situation awful. like that. Yeah. Like, you either they, live out your life that way. Which is impossible. Uh, right, because this ship got sold to Greece eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like, it got to Greece. They're like, hey, why is there people in the wall, huh? <laughs> there was a little New York. <laughs> Anybody want some baklava? <laughs> so the guys are just chilling in the wall when they, they get, get over to Greece. Just hanging out there. Woo, I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, like, really American stuff one, too. Like super Amer- like American flag pants, camo. Yeah, they're just waving the American flag. <laughs> and these Greece guys are like, ah, fucking American assholes. <laughs> this is the worst taxidermy ever. Yeah, this is the whole time they're like going to war. They're like USA, 
USA, <laughs> USA. <laughs> They're really thinking about turning the cannons on their own ship to just... <laughs> Wait, let's just kill this fucker now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It says they were bedded in, like, the bulkheads, the decks, yeah, and the railings. Yeah. That's just pieces of people in places. So that's the decks. Okay. Which leads me to maybe kind of think <clears throat> that only happened during the quick teleport. Yeah. During the quick teleport teleportation. My God. <laughs> You know what I mean? Maybe they, maybe as soon as it happened, they were like, oh shit, I'm through the wall. Like, oh, I'm falling through the deck. And then they were stuck. Yeah. That makes, none of it quite makes all the sense. It makes more sense if they just start slipping through material and then the material then comes solid again and then they're in it. Yeah. This is so crazy. Uh, it's bonkers. Wasn't there a point? I thought I found a map someplace where it said the Eldridge took a trip towards the Bermuda Triangle. I think it may have happened in that first month that it was bef- after it was finished being built, when it was launched, and before it was commissioned. Something like that. Huh. I don't know. Oh, here it is. There you go. Yeah. So it was commissioned routes of USS Eldridge. So, it left New York uh, November 2nd, 1943. Oh, no, then... Now, this thing says possible occasion of experiment, 2-12 November in Atlantic. From the 2nd to the 12th of November, 43. But then there's another line here that says it sailed sometime... Oh, September 28th. This is September 28th and December 43. So from September to December, it voyaged from New York to the Bermuda, to the Bermuda Island and then back up to Block Island, which is just north of New York, which is like Montauk, hmm. which was the end of December. So, no, 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 you could throw some Bermuda Triangle kind of stuff in there if you like. I. There's a lot of stuff that can be thrown in here, like like we said, time travel, teleportation, aliens, like. <clears throat> you want to get into all that? Ultimate Shall realities. Shall we talk about this other cat? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't. I I did not get a lot on him, but. Oh really? I have yeah. an entire timeline. Are you serious? Past, present, future. Future. How how did you do that? I'll send you the link if you want, and then we can talk about the whole thing here. Oh, that's the one. I would open already. So it's, this guy is Alfred Bielik. Oh, Allie Beal. Oh, my goodness. This <laughs> was, freaking guy. Wasn't that a show? Allie Beal? Oh, that Allie. was Allie McBeal. McBeal. <laughs> Same thing. There you go. Let's get into this timeline. B-I-E-L-E-K dot com. Bielik. And then on there, there's some stuff on the left side. And then under his picture there, you can click on Al Bielik. Mm-hmm. And there, there's the intro, but then we go into timeline. Holy crap. Wow. This dude, I don't know where to begin with this cat. Should well, we start in his Al Bielik life or the other one? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. This is where things 
these things take a turn here, boy. Yeah, th- this is really weird, and I don't know. I guess I mean he started as Ed Cameron, right? He's st- <laughs> all right. We'll st- <laughs> fuck me so, up. <laughs> so we should start there. So Ed Cameron was born 1916. It's the birth date for Ed Cameron. Al Bielik is the regressed essence of Ed Cameron. We'll unpack, get there, people. Unpack that for a second. Yeah, That's we'll fine. get there. <laughs> uh, so 19, August 13th, 1943. According to this, that's the date of the Philadelphia Experiment. Now, according to another thing, October 28th was. Um, this is when Ed and Duncan Cameron, during the Philadelphia Experiment, when they flipped that switch, Ed and Duncan Cameron, brothers... It scared the shit out of them. So they jumped off the Eldridge while they were teleporting. And then they both land. Hold on to your butts. They both land in the year 2137. What? (laughs) I swear I saw like 1983. Well, we're getting there. Oh, okay. This is... First we go to 2137. Oh, I didn't know that. And then some stuff happens. And then we go back to 83. So, in 2137, after Ed and Duncan jumped off the USS Eldridge in 43, they landed in the year 2137. They both spent six weeks in a hospital bed recovering from radiation burns, suffered from being in hyperspace. Well, they they said they jumped off because, like, it started happening. They were like, oh, shit. And they were like, we don't like it. So, they were on the deck. Yeah. They were up top. They weren't in, like, rooms and stuff below deck. Yeah, they, they were, were up top. And they were like, fuck, this is weird. And they, like, jumped on the cannonball <laughs> and jumped off and landed in 2137. Seems far, right? That's a, that's a little distant to the future. About 117 years from now. I don't know. What, what do you think would hurt more? Time travel or jumping off of one of those high-ass ships? Hitting a water think, j- after jumping off of one of those ships is going to hurt like hell. Yeah, it is. I think I'd rather time travel. I don't know if I want to go to 2137, but I also don't want to. Now, this is another thing that happened. He, <laughs> it's, oh my God, it's so, so freaking crazy. <laughs> I can't take it. Toward the end of their stay, Ed is moved by means unknown to him to the year 2749. <laughs> oh. Yes. So while he's in 2749, from 2137, Ed Cameron travels alone to 2749 for a period of two years. And he apparently gets a job while he's there. Ed is a tour guide oh. and remembers floating cities built with anti-gravity technology and a society run by computers. We're getting there. <laughs> we don't have floating cities yet. We're getting there. We get our shit together. Stop playing with coronaviruses. Pfft, come on. Programmers yep. of the computers are called the wingmakers. Ed Ooh. had several meetings with then with them where they explained their agenda. After two years, Ed goes back to the year 2137. So when he returns from, he w- so he was went in 2749 for two years. He returns from 2751 to pick up his brother Duncan, and together they travel back to 1983. You still with me? <laughs> uh, barely. I remember 1983 because I knew that was a year. 
Oh, I mean, I guess they're all years. But <laughs> right. Like I I remember reading that year. So he like walks into these quote unquote wingmakers and they're like, "Welcome, Mr. Anderson." You know, like yeah. it's some kind of like weird like we are well, the creators. Since you're here, we'll just tell you the entire history cuz it's important. Look at these floating cities. We made all of this. <laughs> We won't bother with quarantine. We are computers. We won't kill you. We'll send you back to your time. (laughs) Or close to it. Eventually. (laughs) Ed and Duncan Cameron find themselves at Montauk, 1983, after spending six weeks in 2137. Yep. How about that? Here we go. Stranger Things, anyone? Yes, sir. I don't know if they've done time travel in Stranger Things yet. Well, we've got a new season coming out. Yep, something crazy will happen. Now, Montauk 83. Dr. John Vine, Von Neumann. Some, somebody said Neumann. Dr. John Von Neumann. Neumann. Eh. I like Neumann. It, it looks like Neumann. English phonetically. Yeah, Neumann might be right. I don't know, but, you know, we're just a English thing. white guys. Yeah. Like. Anyway. He greets the two and convinces them to travel back to the USS Eldridge in 43 to destroy the control equipment and shut the experiment down. Because it's fucking with time. We can't have that. It's messing everything up. Why do you think you're here, guys? You came here so I could tell you to shut it down then. It's what? the fucking boomers, dude. They think it's the millennials. <laughs> it's the fucking boomers. That's right. They're messing everything up. Yeah. That's why they're called boomers. They're blowing everything up. <laughs> so now... Uh, Von Neumann helps these boys get back to the Eldridge in 1943. No, no. Yeah, 1943. That's where the Eldridge is. Yes. Yeah. That's when it is. True. So. But that was in 83, right? Yeah, they went to 83, talked to Von Neumann, which Ed Cameron or Al Bielik meets at a different time. Al Bielik, who was Ed Cameron. Hold on. This is getting out of control. (laughs) I, I know. So nineteen, so that happened in forty three, and then in nineteen fifty three is the final year of Ed Cameron's linear experience. Ed knew too much and irritated Doctor Edward Teller. A group of three voted Ed off the atomic bomb project and ultimately out of existence as Ed Cameron. Ed is regressed to Al Bielik to the year nineteen twenty seven. Fuck. So, it's <laughs> yeah. No, I don't even know what to say. Al Bielik was on um, Coast to Coast with Art Bell, and he mm-hmm. was talking about all this, and it's kind of hard to follow. Yeah, I, I I would imagine it was. I, I swear to God, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I wanted to listen to it so bad, and I was so damn busy, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. It's a couple hours long, and it's kind of irritating, because like every 15 minutes, now I understand it was a radio talk show in the 90s, yeah. But like every 15 minutes, Art Bell wants to go to a commercial break. Mm-hmm. But I found this on Spotify. You don't actually hear the commercials, but they go through like the outro music to the ad, and there's like an ad for the radio, and then they come back to the show. So there's like three minutes of stuff that's not story. It's kind of like our Patreon. <laughs> you know, right. we have the, the outro and then the intro, and then we're right back to it. Right. With no things. So, Ed has regressed to Al Bielik to the year 1927. So, not only did they 
de-age Ed Cameron. They brainwashed him, and they traveled him back in time to 1927. Did you get all that? <laughs> I'm trying. Brainwash, de-age, travel back in time, send him back. So 1927 is the birth date of Al Bielik. Al's first memories are at Christmas when he was one year old and understanding all the conversation. So he was one, and he understood everybody in the room. That's when he was like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. I know everything that's going on. Maybe he was just super smart. <laughs> well, that's what he thought. He was just super smart, so he went into, like, m- mechanics. So he from 27 on, he, he grew up with that family, and... In the show, he was saying that his mom was not standoffish, but she, there was a couple of clues that gave him that she wasn't exactly his mom growing up. She, like, beat the shit out of him. She was like, I hate you. You're stupid. <laughs> You're not even my son. Why can't you be Ed? Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> He's like, I'm really smart. I understood you when I was one, but damn. <laughs> That's aggressive. Al is recruited to work at Montauk in 1970. Oh. Yeah. He keeps the guise of his regular job as an electronics contractor, but works in an altered state at Montauk. He was a program manager for the Montauk Boys Program, participated in the mind control experiments, and actively participated in time travel projects. That sounds disgusting. The Montauk Boys Project? Yeah. Like, was it... Boy Scouts, but with mind control. Was Joe Biden the head of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think he likes little girls. Allegedly, allegedly. Quote, 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 quote. Shit, I'm dead, dude. They're gonna kill me. Joe Pedden. <laughs> the Montauk Boy Scouts program, Montauk Boys program, whatever it was. I don't know what they did there. The boys who stare coats. I don't know. In 1988, his memories returned, and he believes... (laughs) So this was 88, his memories returned, and he believes he was not used any further at Montauk. So what he said on the show was in 1988, he he was doing something, and he wasn't exactly paying attention to the TV, but then they were running the movie, the fictional story they put together. (laughs) Keep it together. I think... Was it supposed to be based on true events, or was it just completely fictional? Both. I mean, everything, the way he said it in the show was, in the movie, he was okay with everything for the first 15 minutes of the movie. The Philadelphia Experiment movie, 1984, I believe is when it came out, but then it was on TV in 88. So he sat down, and he watched it. And that's when all of his Ed Cameron memories started coming back. You know what's really crazy, dude? I was watching Gone in sixty seconds, the the Nick Cage movie. Yeah, I and like I was it. like, I was like, shit, I was there. What? Yeah, I was there. As soon as I saw the movie, I was like, you know what? I was really there. <laughs> I remember it. It jogged my memory. I knew I was there. I was part of the crew. You're the guy that sat on his hand, and then you rub one out, and it's called Stranger. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Why would I be that guy? Oh, you were the guy talking to him. Maybe I was Nick Cage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Let's ride. Maybe I was, what what was his name? Sphinx? Sphinx? Oh, the... The uh, morgue guy? Undertaker, yeah. Yeah. 
put a sandwich on the dead guy. Yeah, I mean, he's got like two feet on me, but (laughs) he's a monster. Hey, uh, uh, Sphinx, if you're there, push a button. (laughs) Boop. (laughs) (laughs) But currently, presently, Al Bielik speaks publicly about his involvement at Montauk and the Philadelphia Experiment. He has been on over 50 radio talk shows and a featured presenter at over 40 conferences. So he's just been back and forth through time, talking about all this cool stuff that happened to him. So he bebopped it around time. He's been to Mars. Where else did he go? I think that's it. I think that's what he said. And all that stuff. Well, I know we got to end it here soon, right? Yep. Well, I... I know we usually end these with uh, kind of what do you think, but oh, uh, Carlos Allende, it was, uh, what was it, Carlos Miguel Allende, now Carl Meredith Allen, confessed this was all a hoax. This guy. On August 22nd, 1986. Oh, that was 86. But then Bielik shows up two years later and he's like, hold up. Yeah, he's like, no, no, I was there. I remember this. I saw the movie. <laughs> yeah, I remember that guy. Yep. That. Oh, they nailed that. Yep. They got that exactly right. Uh, he, but he said, I mean, he said it was all a hoax, wholly perpetrated by him. And I, I'm pretty sure people had said that Carl Allen, Carlos Allende was a little bit, he was a little bit crazy. Like his family and friends said he was a little bit yeah. yeah. Off his rocker. Uh, but he would confess the hoax, then he would retract the confession, and then confess again. <laughs> his last public spin was to confess the hoax, which he stuck to until his dying day. But by then, few even knew his name or that he had ever even been the source of the Philadelphia Philadelphia Experiment hoax. See, if you would just stick with the story, like uh, Travis Walton... Whether it's a story or, or what, those guys believe that's what happened to them. I believe it happened to them. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I found this other website called skepdick.com. S-K-E-P-D-I-C.com. <laughs> and this one is the slash uh, Philadel. P-H-I-L-A-D-E-L. And uh, there's a couple lines I'd like to read because they're a little off the wall. They're, they fit real nicely in here. In the fictional category, Thin Air is a book uh, published in 78 by George E. Berger and Neil R. Simpson. It stands out. It is about a Navy investigation of a cover-up of an experiment involving the USS Eldridge in 1943. Sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In 1979, the Philadelphia Experiment Project Invisibility by William L. Moore and Charles Berlitz was published. This book is fiction, but claims to be fact and plagiarizes parts of thin air. And the Moore and Berlitz book, not only the ship, but several crew members disappear into a new dimension, never to be seen again. (laughs) And then a parenthesis they have, unless, of course, you sail to Atlantis on Noah's Ark through the Bermuda Triangle, where you will no doubt find these sailors holding a seance. Oh, boy. (laughs) That sounds fun. You got to go through a little work to find these guys, but you know they're out there. Oh man, I want it to have happened. The decausing thing is so cool. I, did you ever do that on like old CRT monitors? Old oh CRT yeah. TVs. Yeah, old uh, computers. You could do that. 
Yeah, and then it, the colors are getting a little shifty, so you push that button, and they get real shifty, and everything's all right. It, yeah, it would go boing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it would almost make, like, a little noise, like ding. And then when you turned off, like, an old TV, you could hear all the static. Yeah. So I don't know if a degaussing would have helped that, but yeah, I find that really cool. That is... <laughs> all this other stuff is crazy, and I really hope this story happened. We didn't even talk about the freeze, dude. No, we didn't. I know we got to end it, but... Go ahead. Get into Jeez. it. Well, okay, so real quick, <clears throat> right here at the end. Uh, some men after the uh, th- you know the whole teleportation, men stuck in bulkheads, oh, God, please help me, kill me, kill me. <laughs> they experienced what they called the freeze, where they, they would just phase out of existence for a few minutes to a few hours. Uh, but oddly enough... They could be seen by other sailors who were involved in the experiment. So if they phased out, other sailors could still see them, but other people wouldn't. Just like frozen in place. I don't know if they were frozen in place. But where, how they see them? I don't know. But they just—I mean—they phased out. They were—they were gone. But other sailors could still see them. It's like they—they they went into another dimension or something. That's so freaking crazy. I see. I want that to be. I want that to have happened. It sucks I, yeah. that that would have happened to those guys, but I want that to be real. That's the part I want to be true. The teleportation, uh, yeah, kind of cool. The the invisibility, yeah, I don't really care about that. <laughs> but the phasing between dimensions, that's dope AF, dude. They just straight up go away. Yeah. And what about that bar fight? Yeah, well... Uh, uh, Eventually, the freeze, it, it turned into what they called the deep freeze, which lasted days or months. They were just gone. Yeah. But I, I guess what? There were some sailors in a bar, right? So, a bunch of them, and they somehow they, they, start, they got into a fight, right? Yeah. And they're like in the middle of a fight, and then zoom. Gone. Gone. And people were like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> But I, I heard a theory on this. I heard that there was a possibility they were underage. And the owner got them out the back door. Yeah, and they were like, oh, I don't know. They just disappeared. They're gone. Yeah. They're gone? I yeah. I don't know. And then all the all the drunkards in the bar were like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, nope. No more for me. <laughs> They're like, no, give me another one. <laughs> I, I'll need another one after that. Other sailors could help some of the people who were inflicted by the freeze by doing something they called laying on the laying on of hands. So they touch them. Yeah, which would get they, it would give the victim enough strength to break out of the freeze. Oh, so they they bring their phase their solid phase into the. I I guess maybe it would pull them out of whatever dimension they were in. But imagine that on the street like a. All of a sudden, this dude just just disappears. He just just fades out, and then all of a sudden, there's six other dudes that are there, just putting their hands on this yeah. nothingness. And all of a sudden, there's a dude there. What? Yeah, they're like doing a hokey pokey. Put your right <laughs> hand in, you know. And then a right hand comes out. Like what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> but it's not like there's six guys, but then a seventh hand comes out. Like what the fuck? There's too many right hands. But this didn't always go. Very well, because two men burst into flames oh, while they shit. did this. That's the opposite of freezing. Yeah, and they burned for 18 fucking days straight, dude. How do you do that? Oh, I don't know. They tried to put them out. 
all attempts to put him out, it didn't work. 18 days straight, they were on fire. It was like, just, what? Like the human torch. He just didn't know how to stop it. He just burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. Yeah. And then what? So they come back and just died or what? I don't know what happened to them. I assume they died after 18 days. Probably. That would do it. For sure. Yeah, but it's crazy. The Navy allegedly, they discontinued the project. Uh, they called it Project Rainbow after learning of the effects of the experiment, but I don't know, yeah. dude. It was real quick. It turned into Project Downpour. Yeah. Start with a rainbow, a little sprinkle, you get a rainbow, then it's downpour, and there's some fucking hail coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, here comes the tornado. Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> you got Al Bielik as the Tin Man. <laughs> and the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Cameron is the Scarecrow. Oh, man. That's what I know. That's all I know, too, man. All right. Tell us what you think. Bring on the weird at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search Bring on the Weird. You'll yeah. find us. All the things. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Yeah, go buy a shirt from us at uh, myconspiracytees.com slash bring on the weird. Shirts, hoodies, mugs, cups, all kinds of stuff. Leggings. If you're a guy, hey. you're in the leggings. Hey, hey. Hey, do what you want to do. If you're a girl, buy them too. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. All right. And with that, stay weird, world. We'll see you guys next time. Welcome to the Movie Cellar, where we have a VHS collection. So many fucking VHS tapes. An internet connection. It's acceptable. And extremely uninformed opinions. That you're kind of understating it. My name's Dan. I'm George. And I'm producer Chris. George, I really liked your interjections there. Yeah, it was a good Um, back and forth. So we're cutting a promo, so we should probably tell people what the fuck we do. Yeah, what do we do, yeah. producer Chris? What do you we produce? We are a podcast that watches VHS tapes in alphabetical order. Yeah, man. That's basically it. We start the show with two movies on board from a certain letter of the alphabet. We flip a coin between them, take a brief intermission while we watch it, and then we come back and we talk about it. This one's way more boring. Nah, like, this I one sounds this good. good. This makes us sound like we know what the fuck we're doing. We don't. It's uninformed, man. Oh, yeah. shit. We're out of we're time. We're out of time. Bye.